0: think that that because of that, it's also part of the reason we've seen this bounce up is people know that listen, things can break, and the government will rescue us. Uh, And you think there's that sentiment kind of in the market that kind of says, well, you know, too big to fail, they say, do you think that's playing a part?
1: Yeah, Yeah, there's the Fed put, definitely. Fed put Mm -hmm. just meaning that, you know, a bank fails. Or you know something major happens in the economy, the Fed steps in, prints money, and sorts it out. But mm-hmm. then you get inflation, right? And I've yep. never felt more sure in my entire life that money, as we know today, the fiat currency that we're dealing with, it's mm. like you know in Wolf of Wall Street, uh, Matthew McConaughey says it's a fugazi. you know, it's a fugazi yeah. scheme and all the rest. It is. It's completely made It's <laughs> what a great movie. It is. Yes, yeah, such a great movie. But I mean, the premise behind that. I mean, at the end of the day, fiat currency. Is mm. is it's it's manufactured by the Fed. The yeah. Fed chooses when it wants to print more. Mm. It creates more. And if you look at that monetary uh, supply that's increased over time, I know I sound like one of those crypto guys. Um, and it, and honestly, if you choose to hold gold or you choose to hold hard assets, which includes property and all these other things, God, it starts to make a lot more sense than you know mm. holding this fiat money that just yeah. like it does devalue every single year. And also, people mm. look at you know the value of property as an example. Let's just say the UK. Um, mm. you know the time property prices have also increased quite a bit recently but Mm -hmm. you look at the price of these different assets increasing over time and they're like wow they're increasing like these assets are becoming more valuable Mm -hmm. and sure to a certain degree there's greater demand but yeah the money is just becoming worth less exactly and like this will continue forever. there's no go look at the projections from all the different central banks around the world Mm. there is just more money being injected into the system more debt more government bonds being issued etc etc so yeah this is not going to end
0: Yeah. Good morning, Sean. Welcome back to Cryptonomics. It's been way too long. It has been too long. Morning, Bobby. How's things going? (laughs) Yeah, very good. Um, I'm going to get stuck right in because there's so much to talk about. It's been a rough month. And like you just said off camera, um, can't believe it was three weeks ago that SVB failed. But we've had so much happen. And just from a South African context, the interest rate 0.5%. I don't think anybody saw it coming. Um, maybe it was like I've seen they, the the Reserve Bank wants to go out with a bang in this end of tightening cycle. I don't know, but wow! I mean, I just don't know for a, for a, for an economy that's struggling with load shedding already to keep you know the cooling off inflate or whatever. It's just he has zero point five percent just to make things a little bit harder. What's your thoughts on on what the Reserve Bank did? Mm. I mean, I think your
1: guess is as good as mine. It wasn't what any economist was predicting uh everyone is expecting a 0.25 percent hike mm. it went to 50 basis points i mean kenya they had 150 basis points so 1.5 percent really um, so yeah i mean in south africa we actually have it pretty good versus other emerging markets right if you start looking at the likes of turkey you look at as i just said kenya i mean nigeria's inflation is really high you go look at latin america as well it's bad uh, so I guess the silver lining is it's not as bad as in other places in South Africa. Mm, yeah, uh, But nevertheless, I mean, yeah, in terms of like us as a country needing growth and, you know, this is the polar opposite of that. that like, I don't know if this is maybe a play to try to keep the dollar in check um, so that mm. we can manage uh, imports and exports a bit better. But yeah, gosh, this was a, a massive move.
0: Yeah, it was huge. I mean, yeah, so the RAND did bounce nicely. I think we were at 18.15 or something like that. We went below 18 to 17. I'm not sure what it is now. But definitely, I feel like that's the only only real benefit here is you're defending the RAND. Um, but yeah, the economy is going to take a knock here and it's pretty hectic. But but, can you explain why would the likes of Nigeria, Kenya and these emerging markets be suffering with so much inflation? Is it the import costs? What's What's causing inflation in these emerging markets?
1: It is the import costs. It's largely as well to do with just currency depreciation. So this is the problem, right? If the RAND depreciates, In local currency terms, when you import oil or you import anything else, uh, you land up paying a lot more for it, right? And that then Mm. leads to this constant inflation rate. And that's why you'll see in emerging markets, the average inflation rate is a lot higher than in developed markets. And that average inflation rate differential, so how much higher it is in the emerging markets versus developed markets, is generally the average depreciation of that currency over time or the set of currencies over time. Okay, um, and ultimately, like that, inflation needs to come from somewhere, right? So generally, mm. it's coming from the credit system. So banks are lending out money; that's then getting filtered through.
0: There's more money in society that results in, generally mm. speaking, quite a lot of inflation over the longer mm. term. Yeah. So um, I'm not quite sure when uh, our friend Mr. Powell, up in the states, is going to, you know, give it, be giving us their kind of next move. But uh, yeah, uh, the 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 markets have actually been quite good if you look at, well, especially from a crypto point of view, Bitcoin seems to be performing really well. Ethereum's right behind it. And uh, yeah, I I don't know. Is it sell, uh, you know, buy the rumor, sell the news that the quantitative tightening cycle is going to be ending and people are kind of looking in already towards the end of the year? Why, what's your take on this quite bullish? And if you look at the charts, it's looking good. (laughs) Like it looks like there's a bit of a pop on its way. Yeah, it is looking
1: good. Uh, My prediction, and this is solely my prediction, is that you will likely see the Fed increase interest rates by a further 0.25%. I think the next meeting is at the end of May, like the 20th okay. of May, around about there. Okay. You'd see the Fed increase rates a bit further. You would have seen a lot of tightening now happen through the banking system. That's going to take a while to filter down into society more broadly. Um, and that's going to have tightened conditions significantly. Mm. So from that Fed move that happens next, you'll then start to see financial data that comes through that's going to show this rather large, I think, uh, downward move in inflation. And you'll start to see unemployment rates uh, in the US at least starting to increase a bit. You'll start mm-hmm. to see these other metrics sort of deteriorate. And that's exactly, you know, it's weird to even say that this is what the Fed wants, but that's ultimately mm-hmm. sort of signs that the Fed wants to see yeah. And then that's when risk assets start becoming very interesting. Um, mm-hmm. It's not going to be as clear cuts as well I just made it out. There'll mm-hmm. be a lot of uncertainty, I think in this interim period. But if you fast forward a year from today, I think that you have got inflation under control, more broadly speaking. I mean, mm-hmm. the U.S. is E-E-E inflation So that's the pers- the personal consumption expenditure. Um, so that's looking at sort of the core goods and services. It's the Fed's preferred measure of measuring inflation. I mean, that's at 4.5% right now. I uh, stand to be corrected, plus minus a few basis points there. Um, okay. It's not out of control, right? So mm-hmm. the Fed just needs to look at moving that down a bit further because um, they've got that 2% pce target and if they can get to that we're in a brilliant position right then all of a sudden you've got interest rates declining from next year Mm -hmm. i don't know if we will see interest rates decline this year there's a lot of uh pundits out there that are actually saying no listen markets will turn and Mm -hmm. uh you'll end up having when i say markets here interest rate markets will uh are pricing in a decline in interest rates
0: i don't see that probability as being very high as things Mm -hmm. stand right now but it is crazy I think something else just to
1: mention, when you take a big step back, um, you know, imagine AI is looking at us or imagine the aliens are looking at us that have AI on their side. Um, If they're, if they're looking at the society, they're going, wow, like this entire species is really obsessive about this random interest rate that gets set by the Fed. And like, you're like, but what about the actual growth? And what about like what the interest rate does in the background? Mm-hmm. Um, because we're saying, hey, listen, this is a blunt instrument. And this is something that almost all economists say. Yeah. But when you look at the first principle aspect of all of this, unemployment's deteriorating, uh, growth's deteriorating, like all these different figures start to mm. filter through. And it's like, but that's not good. That's not yeah. like a good long-term statistic. So then you come back to like the quantitative easing side of things. And it's like, oh, wow, it's all about money pr- uh, money printing. Or mm-hmm. It's all about you know, restrictive monetary policy, which is removing money from the system. And this then feeds into this. Infl- this sorry, the crypto narrative, more than ever. And I think after what happened with you know the US banks, and I mean, that's still sort of playing out, mm. there's probably no better narrative for crypto right now. Um, yeah. I mean, after FTX and everything that happened last year, like literally the crypto ecosystem was obliterated On from a credibility knees. standpoint. Completely. And here it is. I mean, the asset class is up about 35% year to
0: date
1: mm. um it's absolutely remarkable right yeah. and, and you sit there and you're like wow like what's going to change sentiment mm. over the next six months that's potentially mm. going to move this market up a further 35 percent or 100 percent." Mm. and it's you start to go oh that's not out of the realm of possibilities three four months ago it was so yeah yeah there's some interesting uh months ahead that's for sure
0: yeah i think what, what always gets to me about the crypto markets is like you talk to people and i tell them you know i was buying crypto at three thousand dollars right it's a Almost thirty thousand dollars, but why? But then yet it has such a bad, uh, like sentiment. Everyone's so like, oh, but I'm like, but it was three thousand dollars if you bought and held for all these years. I mean, it just annoys me like this narrative that's that's surrounding it. But but here we go, right? So we, you bought up FTX, and I mean that was a disaster, and I think that was just malmanagement, corruption, or whatever else was happening there. I think it was a useful idiot at the wheel. Um, but then we've got SVB, which is a very very like result like bank that founders startups have been using in Silicon Valley for years. um, And they were just buying like with all these interest rate hikes, they couldn't um, keep up with the payments and the value of their bonds that they were buying. I mean, you're probably better to explain what was going on. But I mean, what a disaster there. And we saw a few banks that crumbled in it. We've had uh, Credit Suisse also on the verge of going under so just what's your take on all the banking crisis that's going on have we seen seen the end of it or can you think that there's still more to play here
1: yeah well it's fascinating i mean you have regulators just discriminating and i hate using this term it drives me up the wall but essentially you've got regulators discriminating as to which industry they want to support um that's the Mm. honest facts right so never thought about fdx happened when you when fdx happened like there were a lot of innocent people that were involved with FTX that had like their own money sitting on FTX. And you had one moron or group of morons that essentially drove down this business. And everyone went, oh, you know, you trusted FTX, your fault, like not Mm. even a question whether the FDIC would step in or anything like that, or like the Fed would even consider stepping in. Mm. And it was like, let it burn. Okay, then you've got these banking collapses. I mean, let's put the Swiss banking collapse aside, but then you've got SVB that happens. All of a sudden, not only does the Fed, uh, the uh, FDIC committee, all of the rest, they step in not only mm-hmm. to backstop the depositors, um, but they then look to protect the equity holders at the expense of bondholders. And that's a whole other story that I'm not going to get into right now. But it's like, whoa, like that's a little out of your mandate. Like, mm. why are you doing that? Oh, because it's, systematic, it's systematically important. But it's like, okay, well, forget about capitalism. Like that's not the way, like the way that a free market works is things fail when they're not managed properly. And you know, you, whether you are a consumer that knows not much about the space or knows a lot about the space, like you take a risk when you do certain things. Right. Um, And I think, yeah, ultimately, in my opinion, like they did the right thing, the the Mm -hmm. regulators in the US, the right thing to protect consumers. Mm-hmm. But my word, it's just incredible how they approach in one sort of industry, and particularly in the banking industry, is so different to other industries. And I I, yeah. I personally look at that and I'm just like, you know, airlines failed. Remember, there was some, uh, there was yeah. a lot of intervention as well from mm-hmm. US uh, parties. And it's like, well, how can you just decide which industries to save and which not to save? Is it based mm-hmm. on campaign donations? Is it based actually on protecting the consumer? Or mm-hmm. is there more involved with in this? And I think yeah. there's somebody that's sitting on the other side of the aisle, I, I mean, you know, FTX deserved to fail. They didn't Mm. manage things properly. But Mm -hmm. I look at all of this and I'm just like, surely you can't just have a bunch of people that decide, hey, listen, now we're going to jump in. Like Mm. that just doesn't make sense to me.
0: Yeah. Um, So anyway, I can get carried away with that. No, but I mean, do you think that because of that, it's also part of the reason we've seen this bounce up is people know that listen, things can break and the government will will rescue us. And you think there's that sentiment kind of in the market that kind of says, well, you know, too big to fail, they say. Do you think that's playing a part?
1: Yeah, yeah there's the Fed put, definitely. Fed put mm. just meaning that, you know, if a bank fails or, you know, something major happens in the economy, the Fed steps in, prints money and sorts it out. But mm-hmm. then you get inflation, right? And yep. I've never felt more sure in my entire life that money as we know today, the fiat currency that we're dealing with, it's mm. like, you know, in Wolf of Wall Street, uh, Matthew McConaughey says it's a fugazi, you know, it's a fugazi yeah. scheme and all the rest. It is, it's <laughs> completely It's what a great movie. It is, it's yes, such a great movie. But I mean, the premise behind that, I mean, at the end of the day, fiat currency, is mm. is it's it's manufactured by the Fed. The yeah. Fed chooses when it wants to print more, mm. it creates more. And if you look at that monetary uh, supply that's increased over time, I know I sound like one of those crypto guys. Um, and, it, and honestly, if you choose to hold gold or you choose to hold hard assets, which includes property and all these other things, God, it starts to make a lot more sense than you know mm. holding this fiat money. That just can't, yeah. like it does devalue every single year, and also people mm. look at you know the value of property as an example. Let's just say the UK. Um, mm. you know the Cape K- Town property prices have also increased quite a bit recently. Mm-hmm. But you look at the price of these different assets increasing over time, and they're like, wow, they're increasing. Like these assets are becoming more valuable. No. And sure, to a certain degree, there's greater demand. But yeah, the money's just becoming worth less. Exactly. And like this will continue forever. Yeah. There's no, yeah. go look at the projections from all the different central banks around the world. Mm. There is just more money being injected yeah. into the system, more debt, more
0: government bonds being issued, et cetera, et cetera. So and- yeah, this is not going to end. Yeah. And that's the crazy thing. Exactly what you said. I always like to bring it back to like the South African perspective because the RAND, like you, we started talking about depreciating against, you know, your bigger currencies, your dollars and euros and stuff like that. So you're getting like a double whammy of that, right? So your money is decreasing, and but also against other currencies. And it's just like, wow, we're getting double hit here. Hold on, what's an alternative, you know? And that's why I'm so bullish on, on Bitcoin and, and the like. But I think what was really interesting about what happened with the, uh, SVB was the fact that um, Circle, which is the kind of the, the people that that created USDC, which is a stable coin pegged to the dollar, they had all their funds locked up in in, in this bank and can't access it anymore. And we saw a DPEG of the USDC. Uh, yeah, USDC. And like after the Luna, uh, Luna and all of that kind of chaos, everyone kind of panicked. Can you just tell us from a Revix point of view, because you guys had USDC, you had your vaults all in USDC, what was that experience like? And explain the move to move to Tether.
1: Yeah, gosh. So USDC is meant to be the most regulated, if you can even say it's regulated, but ultimately it is you know governed by a trust company. Um, it's issued by Circle, which is this New York trust company. It's managed by the biggest players in the crypto space. It has attestation reports from the likes of Deloitte. So it is one for one backed. Mm-hmm. And it is a... Dollar based stablecoin, where one USDC token is meant to be backed perfectly by one US dollar um, Mm -hmm. or equivalent short term security. And ultimately, yeah, three point, I think it was $3.3 billion was locked on SVB when it collapsed. Mm -hmm. If the FDIC didn't step in to protect uh, every single depositor, then you would have had about a nine percent, an eight or nine percent haircut on uh usdc's total values so all of a sudden each dollar that would have been in the issued through usdc would have been worth 92 93 odd us cents based on actually the assets that backed had back usdc it. now this was yeah and funny enough this isn't a crypto i mean we know we're not exactly seeing all the headlines around this i already do sound like a crypto head today but you don't you're not seeing all the headlines across newspapers going banking collapse causes stressing hmm. crypto system like it's very seldom that way around yeah. but ultimately that's exactly what happened right so a bank's collapse caused this cryptocurrency to depeg and therefore caused this disruption in the crypto space so as Revex, I mean, we actually, we were looking to do this before because USD, I mean, while it's a fantastic stable coin, and I mean, the fact that it regained its peg because the, FDI, mm. the FDIC stepped in and stored, right. you know, all deposits and et cetera. Um, but because they did that, you know, USDC is absolutely fine. It's back one for one. But we were making the decision in the background to move from USDC to USDT uh, simply because there's so much more liquidity in the market. If you go and you try you know, let's say sell five Bitcoins currently in South Africa for rands, like you've got a couple order books that you can go and trade against with the likes of Luno and Valor, et cetera, Mm -hmm. but you're going to slip a lot. You're going to essentially eat into those order books. There just isn't that much market liquidity. And that increases exponentially when you start looking at bigger order sizes. Um, And that's rands. I mean, USDC is sort of similar. I mean, sure, there's a lot more liquidity, but it's very similar. Mm. So USDT just gives us a lot more flexibility and ultimately benefits the customer because the customer is able to go, okay, great. I've got more uh, or I've got additional market depth when I'm engaging in any trades, I'm generally getting superior pricing. And sure, there's a lot of controversy around Tether as a stable mm-hmm. coin, um, mm-hmm. but I think more and more... Uh, Tether is proving itself that it's actually the most resilient stable coin out there. And the market's also saying this, right? I mean, the market's yeah. also saying, Hey, listen, this is the largest stablecoin out there. It's gaining mm-hmm. market share versus BUSD. It's gaining market share versus USDC. And yeah, we just thought, Hey, listen, it's time that we add this as an additional option on the mm-hmm. platform.
0: Yeah. So would you not bring back USDC? You kind of saying Tether is our stable coin of choice. So we've got both. Uh, we prefer USDT as things stand out now because
1: of the, Uh, liquidity Liquidity. Um, and yeah i guess also yeah i guess also i mean usdc i guess usdt as well they're both on multiple chains Mm -hmm. but we are living in this world where you know if you send tether let's say on tron's network you pay very low fees and there are some people that you know that's what they care about so that's sort of what we're working towards it's well Okay. okay You know what stablecoin is on the most different networks uh, from from like a remittance or payment perspective. And then also we sort of just going, okay, well, we need liquidity in the market. Either we need to be able to execute with multiple stablecoins every single time. And that means there's a liquidity risk for Revix because we need to make sure that we're owning those stablecoins at all times. Or Mm -hmm. alternatively, we just give the user the ability to execute with the most liquid stablecoin. And -hmm. that's really the approach we have taken. But I mean, we will review this over time. I think ultimately we've made this change now and you know three months time yeah. we'll look back and go okay what do customers think about this we yeah. are constantly getting feedback from users and then we'll be able to to
0: go from there 100 percent. i mean i think if i think just about the market in general the technology of, as it's growing you have to iterate right you have to kind of look at it and i think that's that's a good sign for me um for you guys is you know moving with the times that move so quickly right i mean three weeks ago is a lifetime in what just happened so yeah, I think you have to iterate on these things, whether it's, you know, from a financial point of view or from a technology or product point of view, you have to kind of look at how it's performing and then, then, you know, move accordingly. So, but I think the main thing, Sean, is the fact that we shouldn't wait so long to have another conversation around this because who knows what will happen and we've got lots to cover. So um, thanks so much for joining again and I'll see you next time. Brilliant, Bobby. Thanks so much. Have a good rest of the week. You too. Cheers.